Pass first point guard and Blazers beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming later in this episode. Got a fun show for you today. I want to talk about Damian Lord's late game brilliance, another clutch performance against the Golden State Warriors, the type of thing that is becoming predictable to the point of absurdity. But it's not just, there's more to Dame's performance than that. There's uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic wrote a great story about sort of what Dame is dealing with off the court emotionally and personally. Uh, and I think I think it's it's it, it's a it was a really good look into sort of what what Dame is like as a human. I want to talk about the Blazers beating a good team. They beat the Golden State Warriors. It's the first time they beat a team with a winning record in nearly a month and in, in three weeks basically. Uh, it's it's been a while since they have gone up against a team with a winning record and taken them down um, and just you know straight up beat a straight up beat a good team. It's been it's been a minute. So I want to talk about the importance and significance of that uh, both just what it meant tonight and what it will mean moving forward for this particular team. And then I want to close the show with some stray thoughts on uh, on a couple of players and their performances recently. We're getting to uh, we're getting close to the All Star break. We're basically at the midway point of the season. Blazers have one left uh, when you're listening to this Thursday evening tonight against uh, the Sacramento Kings. I want to just talk about some sort of non Dame non star players who have impressed me and and sort of some some stray thoughts I have on those guys. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. But what, let's start here with Damian Lillard. Uh, the nuts and bolts you probably already know. Clock winding under a minute left. The Blazers trailing by one. Damian Lillard moved over to the left wing. Regained his dribble near the sidelines. Sized up Kent Bazemore. And swished a three-pointer to put the Blazers up 108-106. With just 14 seconds remaining. And then Golden State got the ball back. The Blazers got the ball out of Steph Curry's hand. Something they did a much better job of later in the game. Steph also just missed some shots he can make, but hey, it happens. The Blazers sent the double team at a star guard. Hope that sounds familiar to y'all. You're going to keep seeing that one. Uh, certainly it's going to happen to the Blazers' star guard. Draymond Green got the ball in the wing, attacked the rim, and who stepped in to draw the charge? None other than Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. The dude just makes winning plays, whether it's a three-pointer when he wasn't shooting well. Prior to that three, Damian Lillard had had a bad night. He was 5 for 16 from the floor and 2 of 9 from deep. He he had 6 assists and 5 turnovers like his he was just he just w- didn't have it. And and the Warriors did a really good job defending him. Uh they they got the ball out of his hands and we'll talk about this a little bit later that his supporting cast helped him, right? Like this is uh he he was able to not he didn't have to be a superstar finish 6 of 16 with 22 points and and six times in five rebounds to go to those five turnovers. Uh, he, But as much as this was about Golden State defending him well, this was also just about Dame, Dame not playing well. He stepped into some threes earlier in the fourth quarter that he didn't make. Uh, I think rushed a couple early. I mean, not even rushed, just like took them early in the shot clock because he was looking for the dagger, and he just he wasn't shooting well, so he missed those shots. But he hit the one that mattered. You know that, though. What you might not know is that Damian Lillard's been dealing with a lot. He's had a, a really... 
a really difficult 18 months. And Jason Quick, our friend of the podcast, Jason Quick, a regular guest on this show, wrote a wonderful story in The Athletic this today that published on Wednesday morning about the difficult 18 months that Damian Lord has dealt with. Um, his cousin and personal chef, Brandon Johnson, passed away suddenly. His aunt died from cancer. A family friend passed away from complications due to COVID-19. In early 2021, he was his cousin was killed in West Oakland. Then last Thursday, before the Lakers game, Lillard learned that two people really close to him were killed in gun violence. And Jason's story in The Athletic details sort of the, the emotional burden that's obvious from someone dealing with that type of trauma and in this in a short period of time. Much less someone with Damien Lord, who, like Damien Lord, who has a bunch of uh, responsibility to, uh, you know, a big co- corporation. Like, he's a really important public figure. He has to sort of, um, and his job is very public. Like, he has to perform well uh, in front of large television audiences while carrying these uh, these emotional burdens. And I don't I don't tell you this to 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 make. Wednesday's moment against the Golden State Warriors more than it was because it's not that's not what this is it's not the the making a shot over Ken Bazemore it's not is not made larger by dealing with tragedy but I tell you this more or I highlight this more to show you that these guys are humans in fact listener Taylor sent a question in for a mailbag episode earlier this week basically saying that Damian Lord looked visibly frustrated in Friday's loss to the Lakers. And uh, Taylor was wondering if there was sort of like locker room beef. And I, and I answered in the mailbag question that, no, that's not what it was. That's not that's not what's happening. But it's it was an astute observation by Taylor that something was a little bit off with Dame. And what, what is off is that he's dealing with this tragedy. So I, I, I don't tell you this to make to make a basketball point. I tell you this to make a point of that, that these guys are humans. The guys you watch that entertain us, that bring us so much joy, and Dame really delivered the 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 game against his moments against Oakland against Oakland against the Golden State Warriors, San Francisco's own. Uh, they were they were it was as fun a final few minutes because you kind of knew he was going to do it. He had struggled all night, and it was just like one one of these is going to go in, one of these is going to go in. Like he's just he's he's too good not to hit it. And of course he hit it. He's he's the best clutch scorer in the league. He's 12 of 20 from three in the clutch moments this season. He's just, he has a certain way about him that he can deliver in these big moments. So I encourage you to read Jason's story. And I encourage you to remember when you're watching these guys that there's more to it. There's always more layers. Uh, I tried to convey when I was talking about it on um, in the mailbag episode that there's just the challenges of this season are that we don't have a way of sort of knowing them or quantifying them and that our sort of analysis of how these guys are playing are somewhat blind because the the COVID-19 pandemic league, like this happening during um, the circumstances that are currently going on in our country and in the world, are make it hard to quantify how much it's just what's going on with these guys. And now, Dame's, Dame's situation has more layers to it, but what Jason's story really does, and, and I'm going to encourage you to read one last time, is it, it, it brings you to the layers of how hard it is um, 
to how how challenging, maybe not how hard, but how challenging it can it can be to have to refocus on high level basketball games when life keeps going. So what I want I just I just want to lead with this to say take take a moment to enjoy how special and how fun Dame is. He always seems to find a way. Um, the three pointer, the drawing the charge, the dude just makes winning plays. He's just a winner. Um, and even on a night he wasn't good, he found a way to win. But then take a moment to appreciate what kind of guy he is. Um, he's someone who has dealt with a ton of loss over the last 18 months and was brave enough to share that with a reporter. And not in a yo, look at me type of thing, but in just a way of I've come to a point where my life is difficult and I'm ready. I am comfortable putting those difficulties out in public because... I'm a human dealing with struggles. Dame is a special guy in that way, in the non-basketball stuff. It's why um, reporters like me really like him, because he's honest and open and, and a human, and he's just a real dude. Uh, so take a moment to appreciate Damian Lord. That's, that's, that would be just the person, the, the shot maker, all those things. Um, it's, it's, there's not too many people like him. Speaking of joy, Michelob Ultra wants you to know that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success. And you know who's been having some, some joyful moments to go along with Damian Lillard these last couple games? That's Carmelo Anthony. That's why he is the Ultra Player of the Week this week. He had 29 points against LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets on Monday. The Blazers won that game by 12 because Melo delivered down the stretch. He had, he had six threes in that game, finished with 29 points of 10, on 10 of 19 shooting. And then against the Golden State Warriors, he kept these, this team afloat. While Dame was struggling, Melo was delivering. He came off the bench with 22 points, shot 8 of 13 from the floor, added four assists, was in late in the second half when the Blazers' offense was kind of stalling and no one else could score. Gary Trent Jr. was throwing up bricks. Um, they... They were having trouble just getting good offense anywhere else. Carmelo delivered. And that's why he's the ultra player of the week. Look, Michelob Ultra had only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. They, they truly believe it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Carmelo Anthony has made it enjoyable. He has been, when Melo is good, there are a few things more fun. And he's been really good the last two days. And that's why he's the ultra player of the week. Michelob Ultra reminding you, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Y'all know BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place your bets online. You may have missed Super Bowl and football season, but don't fret, because there's NHL and NBA games every night. College, football, college basketball is heading into its postseason. About to hit March Madness, y'all. And if you don't want to bet on sports, bet online's covering everything else. TV, reality TV, award shows, you name it. They got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. So head on over to betonline.ag you can use your computer or your mobile device. Sign up today and using the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Lockdown Blazers, we got you covered for all things Portland basketball, but you might be wondering, what about the rest of the sports? Well, thanks to the good folks of the Locked On Podcast Network, we got you covered there as well. With the new Locked On Today podcast, it's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so we talked Damian Lillard in that first segment. Dude is just, he is just built a little bit different. Um, I was going to use some of this time to to campaign for Damian Lillard as MVP. I still think it's a little too early to do that. I, I maintain my most recent stance. He belongs in the conversation. If you're talking about the league's most valuable players and you're not talking about Damian Lillard, you're just not talking about the league's most valuable players. You cannot have an MVP conversation without his name. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the front runner right now. I don't even think it matters. Like it's it's March. There's in about 15 games, 15 games after the All-Star break, it's really going to matter and we'll talk about it earnestly then, but uh that's we're a ways away from that, right? Like that's a month of basketball. So we'll in a month we'll, I'll I will get on, I will get out there campaigning, but for now I just I just want you dear listener uh, to appreciate Dame for how special he is. And I want you to appreciate the win over Golden State for how special it was. The Blazers haven't done this in a while. They haven't beaten a good team in a long time. Like, they they ripped off six wins in a row. And one of those wins was over a team with a winning record at the time. That was the Philadelphia 76ers back on February 11th. Now, they beat the Mavericks a couple nights after that, February 14th, Valentine's Day. But um, the Mavericks at the time were not did not have a winning record. The Mavericks have taken off since then. At the time, the Mavericks were uh, 13 and 14. They were just below 500. Uh, so to go back to, a, to beating a team with a winning record, you have to go all the way back to the Blazers' home game on February 11th against the Philadelphia 76ers, arguably the Blazers' best win of the season. But even if you throw the Mavericks in there, the Blazers just don't have that many wins over teams that are like good, like capital G good. Uh, you know, both wins over the Sixers, good wins. That's a really good team. They might be in the NBA Finals. Like they're that good. The Mavericks have been really good uh, basically over the last two and a half weeks, over the last 13 games. They're they're really good. I think they're 11-2 and two in their last 13. I mean, they're, they have figured it out. Other than that, teams with winning records – the Blazers basically got got one win over a team with a winning record other than those three games. Uh, it kind of depends on how you score it. Like, the Blazers beat Golden State earlier in the year. They have two wins over the Warriors. They've now won the season series over the Warriors. But back when they beat the Warriors the first time, Golden State had a losing record. Uh, they, they beat the Lakers, who were 500 at the time. Uh, the Lakers are good. I'm going to just go ahead and score that one. But they just don't have that many wins over teams with, with winning records. Depending on how you score it, they've got five. It just doesn't happen that often. Lose to the Clippers, lose to the Jazz, lost to the Pacers, lost to the Spurs. Lost against the Bucks. 
you know, obviously last week, Phoenix and Denver, along with Los Angeles, like when they have played good teams recently, or not even recently, when they have played good teams this season, they have lost. They have feasted on bad teams, uh, which is fine. Like that's that that's the method for right. Like that's how you that's how you have end up with a good regular season record is you beat bad teams. Uh, I think the losing to um, so I don't want to discount the wins. I'm more just highlighting the losses. Like if you're thinking like okay, this team could be in that upper echelon in the West, it's like who have they really beaten? Well, now add it to the list. They just beat the Warriors who are playing pretty well. The Warriors slipped from sixth to eighth to win. Uh, so it, it you know you fall quickly or excuse me ninth rather. They fell out of the traditional playoffs i'm still not used to this playing round um but they the blazers do not have a lot of wins against good teams so getting a good win should not be um getting a win over a team with a winning record should be highlighted because it's important uh they just they haven't done this consistently they haven't had many wins like this and the they they survived this game without dame playing particularly well until he played it but Dame basically played poorly until it was time to win and then he was immaculate it's kind of the dude he is but they just they haven't had a lot of games like this and he was and he delivered when they needed it but the whole you know Mello delivered Robert Covington was really good in this game this was um this is a game that this was a game that I, I don't know if you should sort of highlight as like this okay they're good but it is it's not nothing this game was not nothing because they just they these are relatively rare. And the other thing that it makes me think of, like like first of all, good win uh, in the first half of the season. These are these are not games that they just haven't had a lot of these. But second half of the season, they're going to play a bunch of good teams. It's it is going to get hard for them, which makes Thursday's game against a bad Sacramento team at the and second night of a back-to-back for both teams. Sacramento played tonight and beat the shorthanded Lakers too. LeBron sat and, and the Kings won by three when Kyle Kuzma missed a shot at the buzzer. But uh, it's like end of the end of the first half of the regular season, second night of a back-to-back against a bad team like the Sacramento Kings. Like just win this because it gets so hard from here on out. And they don't have a great track record of beating good teams. It's been almost a month since they beat a team with a winning record. Uh, they would, they had, they just, when they meet teams that are above 500, when they meet teams that are going to be in the playoffs and going to be in the postseason, they have mostly wilted. Tonight, they did not wilt. Tonight, they played well. And then, of course, they knock that team with a winning record out of the playoff picture. So it kind of, you know, defeats its, um, the snake ate its own tail at the end of this one. But my larger point is, if you... If you're feeling really good about this team, I'd say it's sort of this is a reminder of how rare beating good teams have been. And if you're feeling a little nervous about this team, I'm just saying you got to appreciate the wins when you can get them. Like there, this this was a good win, and it's maybe sign there's more to, signs there could be more to come. They haven't been healthy. They're going to get healthier. You know, knock on wood, I guess. But they're they're guys are tracking to come back. CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic should be back if not um, immediately after the All Star break. I'll talk about this in the third segment. Then shortly thereafter, and they're they're just a different team if they have those guys. So to be in this position is really nice, but it has come mostly against a weaker portion of the schedule, and it's going to get a lot harder. Which makes Thursday's game against the Kings just win and go into the All Star break twenty one and fourteen. You're just in such a better spot if you do that. I know one game is going to make or break the season, but one but beating the bad teams has been how they built this record. And it has to be a part of the formula going forward.
Simple as that. It's got to be that way. The Blazers have, if you're just looking at the standings right now, the Blazers have, like of Western Conference playoff teams, the Blazers have a win over the Lakers and a win over the Mavericks. And everyone else in that playoff picture, Denver, San Antonio, the Clippers, Phoenix, and, and Utah, the Blazers haven't beaten yet. They haven't shown they can beat playoff teams. So you have to beat the non-playoff team to get yourself in the position, get healthy, and prove that when you're whole, you're a different squad. Because so far, they just haven't been that. All right, in the third segment, we've got a little mini mini update on CJ McCollum's health. And then I've got some stray thoughts about this team heading into the second half of the season. That's what we'll do. But before we get there... I want to tell y'all about rockauto.com. You know rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. You can head over to their website, rockauto.com, right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they got everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, you name it, they got it. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of it will be delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and it's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, it's those prices because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. If you like this show, bet you'll like Locked on NBA Draft. It's a new show. It's a returning show on the network that's going to get you what you need to know about the potential stars of tomorrow. You want to know more about Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Dayron Sharp. Well, this is the place to go. You want to subscribe to Locked On, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. They'll have scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness, the NCAA tournament. It's coming at you four days a week, featuring credentialed draft experts, people who know the know draft prospects, know the league, know college hoops. They'll have you covered. So make sure you subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, so... We talked about Damian Lord's magic. Appreciate the magic. We talked about the, the Blazers getting a very rare win over a good a, a good team. Um, don't diminish that. This was a big win. This was a nice a nice win. This was a game they beat a good team when Damian Lord didn't play well. This this is this was this was no small thing like it is a small thing in sort of the grand scheme of things but if you're looking at trends like they had mostly just dropped these games and they had mostly just ticked off wins against bad teams they got a chance to do that like i said on thursday but but adding a a win over a quality team and winning the season series over golden state this is this this will come in handy you'll be when this when the season ends here in may you'll be thankful as a Blazer fan, that they that they got ahead, went ahead and took care of this one. 
But I wanted to give some stray thoughts here. One is that uh, CJ McCollum told Jason Quick of The Athletic, Jason's killing it today, reporting. Uh, basically, no, he got reevaluated today and he's right on track, but he still doesn't want to put a timeline on it. I assume that that's CJ playing coy. I assume he'll be back right after the All-Star break, uh, which would put him at you know a March 11th debut. And if he's not there right away, I would say shortly thereafter. Uh, you know, no setbacks and right on schedule. It's the Blazers didn't really give a timeline. They said he'd be reevaluated in four weeks, and then he'll be reevaluated in four weeks or reevaluated in two weeks. It, you know, it's going to be two months. It's going to be it's going to be eight weeks by the time Siege is back on the court. That's a reasonable timeline from the people who know. Shout out to Jeff Stotts of In Street Clothes, who basically projected this this a very similar uh, timeline for uh, what this type of injury. So CJ, you know, we, it's a no news update, but he seems like he could be on track to be available shortly, shortly after the all-star break. We've uh, seen him recently out on the court pregame getting shots up, certainly not moving at hundred percent, certainly not doing, you kind of, if you've been around uh, sort of NBA warmups enough, you can tell when a guy is going full speed and is like really getting close. You can, there's just a, like a different, it's just different effort level, different, different, um, it's just more strenuous when a guy's getting closer from the I'm watching video clips of this, like on the on the broadcast and on social media um, that CJ is, is getting up shots naturally. Like these are these aren't he's not, you know, nursing the foot or anything, but he's not going anywhere close to full speed. So he's getting there. He's playing basketball, putting putting two basketball shoes on and getting shots up is a step in the right direction. And uh, I expect we'll see him sooner rather than later after the All-Star break. No update on Nurk. Uh, he's, you know, he's still wearing a brace on his hand on the bench. Uh, we'll see when he gets there. Uh, good, good news for Nurk is that he can do, he can still do cardio stuff and still stay in, you know, relatively good shape, even, even if he can't get a whole bunch of shots up with that hand. Obviously, um, it's his dominant hand, so it's gonna, um, could be, you know, he's, he's got a he's got to get it right because he's going to use it a bunch. Um, it's not like he can just like sort of naturally protect it in the way that guys, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge like fracturing his thumb in his left hand and just saying, yeah, I'm cool. I'll just play through it. I'll just use my, I'll just use my other hand. This thing doesn't matter anyways. This is like, he, he's, he, he needs to, he's going to have to heal. There's, I don't, you can't sort of like, uh, you can't fake the funk on that one on the way on, on, on some other sort of non-shooting hand injuries, but no update on Nurk. I'm not surprised there. The Blazers don't give injury updates and Nurk is pretty private with um, which sort of which whom he would share that information with. Other stray thoughts is that uh, I think Carm, I think Carmelo Anthony, I'm, I'm still caught on our ultra player of the week. Melo has been great, but he's not who I want to talk about here. I, I think Robert Covington is I don't want to say settling in because like the thing that has bothered me about Covington is that even when his sort of like you look at his week and like he shot well this week but it was you know 0 for 5 and then 5 he's goes over 4 over 5 5 of 7 you know it's he's in the end it's not the worst thing that it's not the worst shooting numbers uh, but he's, he's just inconsistent but I'll say this I, I think Covington has really settled in in those small ball lineups in the way that I hoped he would. Uh, you know, I don't think he's really, he's not totally figured out where his offense is going to come from. He still makes some kind of weird turnovers when he tries to make, he can make smart passes, but when he tries to make sort of like, um, when he tries to make that sort of like next level pass where he looks off someone, he's making some, some kind of annoying turnovers, but, or frustrating turnovers, I should say. Uh, but 
I think he's really settled in in that small ball role. Uh, I think he's really uh, the Blazers have are comfortable going small, and and Covington is a big reason why. You know, against Golden State, he um, they went small a bunch because. That's just a terrible matchup for Cantor. It's just uh, they'll just screen him and put him in actions with Curry, and he just that's just it's just no good for his. He's just too slow to guard to play against that team. And Blazers were able to go small and play uh, a front line of Rodney Hood, Carmelo Anthony, and and Robert Covington. Uh, and and Covington just he just you know he's not this elite rebounder and he's not a guy who you say oh he plays much bigger than he is but he just has elite hands and he just he has a real feel for how to be a deterrent on the back line and I don't think the Blazers played like this this fantastic defensive game um they played a pretty good defensive game and and I think the Warriors just they just didn't have enough non-curry offense to kind of take advantage of take advantage of the Blazers' defensive weaknesses like other teams are able to. The, the Much like the Blazers, the Warriors need a, another dude who can get downhill. Um, it's almost like shot creating is the most valuable the most valuable skill in the league. But I think Covington has really settled in as a, as a small ball um, center. You know, that was what he was doing in, in Houston, and uh, I think they figured it out here, and I think there's some real value in that because going small and, and having like a switchier, you know, like-sized lineup up and down the court – um, up and up and down the the your five man grouping really um, is valuable when the games matter. It's valuable against good teams because you because against the best teams that can really shoot in the league, it's not one size fits all. But against a lot of teams with perimeter shooting, who you're going to face in the playoffs, being able to switch and keep guys in front of you and just say, "Hey, listen, you're going to have to shoot over the top. We're not going to you're we're going to stay out of rotations." Um, is really valuable. And I think Robert Covington, while the numbers aren't really always there with him and uh and and he's he's had some inconsistent shooting games so i i'm 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 not saying he's settled in overall certainly by any means but i think he's really settled into that um to that small ball role i really i really i think it's absolutely i i think it's i think he's i think he looks better and i think that bodes well for the future other quick stray thoughts uh the blazers could use some help um, you know, there's been this debate and I've kind of been involved in it. It's like, do they need a guard or do they need a big, they could use either one, either one of those would help another guy who could, who could sort of get downhill and drive towards the rim would be valuable. Um, Gary Trent Jr. Tries, but it's just not his skill set right now. It's not what he's best at. Um, you know, he, he had a, he had a couple nice finishes against the Warriors, but it's just, it's, it's outside of what he's really good at. And it's, um, and, and as, as you go down the line, asking each guy to do more than they're capable of, it just it it compounds on itself. They could use anyone else who could get downhill. I mean, that's a valuable skill, like I said. But Blazers could use it. Um, they could use another center that's not Ennis Cantor. If that is Yusuf Nurkic, great. But if Nurk's timeline is a little bit longer, they're going to and and Harry Giles's timeline. Like who knows how long he's going to be out again? Blazers are very coy or very uh, low information when it comes to injuries. They could use another big. I think um, what we've seen over the last, even in these two wins against teams that wanted to go small against uh, Charlotte and Golden State, uh, the Blazers could just use another non-canter big. It's just he he's really good at what he does, but he has some real limitations, and he's just slow laterally. My final stray thought is something I had written down in my notebook. I was actually going to make this whole segment about Nazir Little. Uh, he had been really good, and and uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, a website run by Ben Falk, who actually used to be uh, 
work in the analytics department for the for the Trailblazers and now is just um, runs this website, which has, you know, maybe the best basketball stats that there are available out there, publicly available basketball stats, uh, that Nazir Little was in the 99th percentile for points per shot. And I, I had a whole, I, I, I was getting my notes ready uh, prior to the game. And then this was, I had a whole thing on Nas um, being one of the sort of low-key, most efficient scorers in, in, the, in the NBA. I was excited to bring you fun numbers. And then he went 0 for 4 against, against Golden State. 0 for 2 from 3. Um, one really awful, awful two-point drive inside. Uh, the two of the two of his twos or two of his threes rather both of them were look good and were clean he just missed them it happens uh, you know he's a low usage guy so he kind of has to make the most of his of his shots and that was the whole thing was that he was making the most of them in uh, at a level that very few in the league have touched like he was he was in the 99th percentile in points per shot like the, well, truly one of the most efficient shooters in the in the uh in the NBA. And it was just like, wow, I, you know, who knew this, this guy had this much offense. You always, you always kind of thought he's, his sort of maybe athleticism would come through first, but it's just, his like pure scoring ability. Like he's really turned it around and he still has, like, I'm not saying this one game uh, negates, negates what Nas has done, but um, I couldn't do, I couldn't, I couldn't y'all, I couldn't bring myself to, uh, to, bust out these stats and like really earnestly pump up my boy Nas after over four night where he finished with two points. Uh, it's we'll get there. We'll get there with him. He looks good. He looks better. And uh, the numbers were backing up kind of the eye test. And then he, and then he just had a normal bad night for a guy who plays limited minutes and the Blazers and he, and you know, he didn't get um, a bunch of extended run in the second half after kind of a clunky first half. It happens. That was my straight thought on Nas. My notebook was ready for Nasir Little. I, I had my pen. I did sketched it out. My notebook and and my microphone were ready for Nasir, but he just he didn't have it tonight. So he gets this. He gets a passing shout out as opposed to a full ten minutes on the on the glory of Nasir Little. Blazers close out the first half of the season against the Sacramento Kings on Thursday evening. I'm going to record a. Uh, it's going to be a partial special delivery mailbag. It's not going to be a full mailbag uh, episode. So we'll have we'll talk a little bit about the Kings. We'll talk about Western Conference tiers. We'll talk about the Blazers at the end of the first half of the of the season, and we'll we'll intertwine that with your questions that you sent to me earlier this week. Um, our special delivery mailbag is our sort of our overflow from Mailbag Monday. When it gets too big, we we move it to a special delivery segment that will post in your feeds on Friday morning. Blazers one game left. Before the All-Star break, a chance to finish the, the first half on a three-game winning streak and be 21-14, fifth in the West. What, what an opportunity in front of them. So be sure you're, you, after you listen to this episode, be sure you check back to the next one. Always appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.